0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you
1: for downloading
0: the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news,
1: visit PRWeek.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett, I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week, going to guide you through this week's show. I'm delighted to have Dawn Ray with us, who's the SVP Corporate Communication and PR at Focus Brands. Dawn, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Thank you, Steve. I'm so happy to be here today. It's a, it's a busy week with everything going on, but Super Bowl week and in our, in our world, we are really aiming to feed as many people as possible on Super Bowl Sunday, particularly since there's, uh, you're safe at home, right? Watching the Super Bowl. Dr. Fauci wants us to stay home.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Not gather in large gatherings. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're on message already. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, Dor- focus brands, you probably know better as Schlotzky's, Carvel, Cinnabon, Moe's, Southwest Grill, Auntie Anne's, Jamba, McAllister's, Delhi. So some brilliant uh, retail outlets there, a lot of franchising in, within that. So we'll really dig, dig dig into chatting about that. And we've got Frank Washgook here, who's uh, as a, a normal co-host, executive editor of PR Week. How are you doing, Frank?
1: I'm doing all right. Looking forward to the Super Bowl myself.
0: Are you? Um, yes. Yeah. Who's going to win?
1: I I think Kansas City will pull this one out. I it could be a close game. We'll see. I wouldn't count Tampa Bay out you for sure. Never, we'll see what happens.
0: Never bet against Brady, can you? Really? I I was going to say tough too.
2: Yeah, you can never count that old man out which is
1: funny that people say he's
0: an old man and he's 44 whatever but yeah my well, uh, home's beaten last year didn't he so uh did, yeah.
2: did he? Well, I, uh,
0: well, did... well
1: no but uh i think oh, okay. time. so okay i'm, I'm uh,
0: sorry listeners u.s sports and and me are not probably the the, the best bedfellows but uh um, but yeah, no, we're looking forward to that, and we're going to chat about the comms and marketing about around it. We'll talk about the Edelman and publicist 2020 full-year financials. General Mills has reorganized its comms function. We'll talk about that. Super Bowl, as I said. Robin Hood, very much in the news, the uh, trading platform that's beefed up its comms team, not really surprising. Um, a bunch of interesting people moves this week. And then what's Richard Drafus doing with White Castle? We'll find out. And some exciting PR Week news on the comms tech front. We're launching Dashboard Daily, so we're going to tell you all about that. But first, we're going to talk to Dawn, and uh, you're based in Memphis. Dawn, um, Focus Brands is based in Georgia, Atlanta, um, and uh, you you've started last August, didn't you? So. That was in I, lockdown wasn't it so I, what was it like starting a job in lockdown and have you I met did. any of your colleagues yeah
2: uh it is it's interesting i actually spent yeah as you said i'm based in memphis and will continue to work remotely but i, I actually do travel to atlanta frequently it's a very short 45 minute flight on delta airlines and as i tell people i give a plug to delta here I feel as safe on Delta, in fact, safer than I do just going to the grocery store or running quick errands. I feel like everybody's more polite and sort of like back to having a sort of semblance of, of manners traveling during a pandemic. There's not a, you know, there's more. I notice I feel like every time I get on a plane, there's more of us on a plane. But we're all yeah. sort of wearing our masks and we're, there's, Hand sanitizer every five feet by someone at the airport or on the plane offering it to you there's a wipe there's there's all kinds of stuff so the airline industry is really doing their part to get people uh flying again but yeah, it's interesting to start a new job uh in the middle of a pandemic. I know uh lots of sort of people are are doing that these days um just given that they were furloughed or they had some down downsizing in their company and you know, it's funny, my husband and I both were laid off at the same day within three hours of each other, just in the summer, as an FYI, that's a whole other issue altogether. Wow. But it, it led me to this really fantastic job, which I really think is my dream job, if I'm being, uh, if, if you're getting some real talk out of me today. Uh, I, I, yeah, well, traveled... uh, good um, so
1: yeah.
0: it was um, interesting that you you said that about meeting your team members. We've, we've got new team members. We've never met them in person, but we've, we, we kind of think, we feel we know them really well through Zoom right. or what have you. So how have you managed the team and got to know them uh, in that time? And, and the reason one of the reasons you landed at Focus is because the CEO, Jim Holthauser, who started in February last year, you'd worked with him uh, back at Hilton, hadn't you, back in That's the day? Right. So there was a the con- good connection there. So talk us through that connection and also how you sort of got to know the team and built that and how you've been working in the in the interim. Sure.
2: Uh, you know, when I, I joined Hilton, I was very uh, young. It was my second job ever out of college, right? My first job was a small ad agency here in Memphis. And then Hilton had a has it's had and still has a significant presence here in memphis um hospitality modern day hospitality as you know at holiday inn was born in memphis and then some other hotel brands we can go down the history of hotels uh another day but was, yeah, was really be. born and raised in memphis and so i went to hilton and jim at the time was leading one of our brands and it was a fledgling little scrappy brand called homewood suites and no one really understood it uh it was hard to build from a developer perspective and jim was kind of called in i always joke that jim's like the cleaner right he's called in to kind of get things moving and back on track and he really got that brand back on track and we had to rely on pr uh and so when when he worked with me, he kind of brought me along in understanding the business and understanding the ins and outs and working with key owners to bring them to build this Homewood Suite. So no one really knew what extended stay was. This was 2002. Um, no one really knew what extended stay was. It was kind of expensive to build. They didn't quite know, right? So fast forward, we worked at Several, uh, with several uh, brands at Hilton and Jim in various roles and as a communications function, we were reorged and moved around in several roles at Hilton. So, in my tenure, I really worked closely with Jim in a lot of projects and a lot of areas. Um, Consumer public relations, what we call development trade, public relations are really aimed at that B2B side of things. Some communications and culture work. And then Jim, I left Hilton and went and did a couple other jobs, right? Sometimes you need to leave and expand your sure, horizon. Sure. And so I did that. And then Jim was still at Hilton, and then he he left Hilton and took a couple of years off. And this, this job came that he they approached him about this job, and he took it. And he said, "I I'd like for you to come and join me at at Focus Brands." And I said, "Well, would all you gotta do is ask, let's go, like I'm ready. And, um, so definitely joining in a pandemic is a lot easier. My advice is if, if you already know the boss you're going to support, right? So I Absolutely. feel like half of a job is support is getting to know your boss. So for example, I know Jim is much better in the morning than he is in the afternoon. I know that you should, he's gonna, when you send him an email, he's gonna pick up the phone and call you and talk you through it versus just replying back. Uh, Like, I know those little nuances because I had 12, 13 years experience with him. So it's good
0: to have that uh, rapport with the CEO, though. Yeah. And uh, it's essential to get things done.
2: It is. And then we had a really great, strong consumer PR presence at Focus Brands. Uh, We've never had a corporate comms function. That's that's the interesting part. So when Jim came on board, he said, look, it looks like we do a really great job. And I've never had a CEO as supportive of communications and public relations so uh, he's not paying me to say that it is absolutely true <laughs> I've had some really supportive CEOs don't get me wrong to all of my former CEOs this one really believes in PR having a voice so when he created this position I have a seat on the executive team which you know I wasn't put under legal or HR or operations I I'm communications report straight to the CEO just legal like, HR and legal and all those other other issues. Um, and you know, he was like, look, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna announce that all those folks that are in the brand cons world are gonna roll up under you. So you gotta spend your first four weeks here uh, getting to know those people without them knowing that you're gonna they're gonna report into you. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's sure, that's gonna be easy, Jim. Sure. Um, so I spent the first week in Atlanta. And I met a couple of those people in person. They came into the office, right? A new person in the office. And this was end of July, 1st of August. And so, you know, they came in and we kind of socially distanced that at a table and and, and got to know each other. And then, you know, it became pretty clear in the first couple of weeks. They are a really smart team. And they were like, oh, we've hired a communications person and we're going to report into her. And I have been welcomed. And I have such an amazing team. Um. With the major, amazing agency partners i might add i've been extremely impressed with all of our agency partners um and, who you, and our who team you work is who you uh, working, so doing? i tell you, Do you what go. we work with a variety of them um so each brand as i feel like our brand pr game has been very very strong in the consumer space and so on uh, cinnabon and carvel we work with Zeno group and they've really done some great work with cinnabon this year for the first time ever, if 2020 was every year to eat frosting out of a pint, <laughs> I mean, if there was every year, 2020 is the year is what I was trying to say. So Zeno really took that and ran with it. I mean, it was on Jimmy Fallon talked about it. So we got some mi- major mileage out of that. And not only did we get major mileage, it drove pint sales, which to us is key, right? We, we, how, are you, how are you?
0: How have your brands been able to operate during the lockdown dawn? You know, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So some of them, did some of them have to close down? Did they, how's business been? As Some of them are in very quiet areas, I would imagine, but maybe some are in really, you know, people want that comfort food and they want that, you know, that that's right. So, so how's that been?
2: I tell you what, we have had, um, like I, I, I won't sugarcoat the first few weeks. I wasn't there during the first few weeks, but I obviously have insight into that. Uh, during the first few weeks of the shutdown, we had to pivot and be very, very flexible. And yeah. one of the brands that has done really, really well is Schlotzky's. And it has, Schlotzky's has a lot of drive-thrus, like 85% of our mm-hmm. restaurants across the country and, and Schlotzky's have drive-thrus people really gravitated to that. We've always known drive throughs are popular and, and, and need to be there. And moms everywhere are so thankful for drive-thrus. Anytime you don't know have to get out of your yeah. car and unbuckle a baby. Uh, so Especially done,
0: during the pandemic. I that's mean, just right. Generally, yeah.
2: So Shlatties have done really, really well. Our mall-based brands, which are uh, Cinnabon, Auntie Ann's delicious products, right? But people, malls have been shut Thank down. You. And so we yeah. know that. So, we, we've had to shut some things down, obviously. We had, we shut things down temporarily and reopened. Um, Jamba has, uh, a, a lot of locations in California. It was born in California. And as we know, California's had a kind of a rough go, particularly the last little bit. But Jamba's starting to look up. You know, Jamba is an interesting, is an interesting animal in that if it's super sunny and bright and warm and hot, we sell a lot of smoothies and, and bowls. Um, If it's rainy and chilly, we don't sell as many. So um in California, we've actually done really well. It's kind of cyclical. Carvel is the same way. One thing we did learn about Carvel is Carvel ice cream. Not only is it nostalgic and iconic for a lot of folks in your neck of the woods, right? And, and, yeah. and in greater Northeast area, it is the ultimate comfort food. So people have flocked to Carvel, not only during ice cream season, but even after Thanksgiving. It, it, it was an interesting uptick we saw. So overall, we fared very, very well. Um, and our, from a PR perspective, our agencies have really helped us get the word out. So we work with M Booth on our restaurant brands, which is Slotsky's, Moe's, McAllister's. We work with um, Allison Partners on Annie Ann's and Hunter PR on Jamba. And then as a whole, we work with Fish Consulting down in uh Oh, yeah, us places to work, yeah, they help us with uh some p r at the corporate level, so we we realize we've never had a corporate communications support team before, and now we do, and Fish has been working with our brands for a while on some legion for franchisees and like kind of franchise type stories. We're really leveraging them this year to help us tell our corporate focus brand story and help us find our voice.
0: So So on that topic, uh, Dawn, um, John, Jim, sorry, made a speech late last year where he talked about his expansion plans. Sounded really exciting where he said he, he would want, wanted to get into burgers, chicken, pizza, maybe, you know, to expand the, the range of um, products. Uh, what Has that been able to be progressed or, or has that been a bit more difficult in the lockdown and how's, how's that progressing?
2: You know, it's interesting because it opens up a lot of opportunity for us to look at a lot of different brands. So we're definitely on the hunt in the M&A front. Um, Jim has been very public about that. We have no, uh, we are looking every week. We meet as an executive team and, and there's a group. Uh, that is really working on what brands fit the needs that we have and you're exactly right it's burgers chicken coffee pizza right if you look at kind Mm -hmm. of the portfolio of the restaurant industry and where we have holes that might that's where we have hole and where we see a lot of
0: got it so we're
2: actively looking at at those at those folks
0: watch this space and are there any plans for an ipo anytime soon i know you're Private equity owned by rock Capital. Well, I don't.
2: I. I. I am. I don't know that I'm. I've, I'm aware of. I'm sure there are at some point, right? I think that's the goal yeah. of any kind of company. But uh, right now, I think we are really focused on taking our brands, supporting our franchisees in uh, it through COVID. Since we're kind of, you know, we're in the 11th month of this, and we're really continuing to support them, and then. Really, we're focused on growing our brands internationally as well. You would, uh, if you, as I've learned, one of the things I've been really amazed by is our brands that are iconically American, Cinnabon and Ennions in particular, do really, really well in uh, in some international markets. So Cinnabon in Russia, is they do an amazing job.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, awesome.
2: and just things I never really would have thought of, like, huh, how about that, like, yeah. The
0: Russians love Cinnabon, apparently, which
2: I'm very you happy You are making
0: me hungry, actually. I know. I really fancy a, a Cinnabon. Now. Um, just to finish, um, the great story of, about you being based in Memphis is that you, you, you formerly worked with BCW at their office, uh, formerly Burson, Cone, and Wolfe. And that's where Harold Burson moved to uh, in his final couple of years uh, from New York. And you actually worked in the same office as him in in Memphis, didn't you? So tell us a little about, and and as it's the anniversary of almost close to the anniversary of Harold's death last year, very sad, um, at the age of 99, but such an inspirational figure to people in the industry. And tell us a little bit about how that was, because he was still coming into the office, wasn't he? uh, every day and motoring around in his, his right. up, uh, mobility scooter. By the sound of it.
2: That's right. So he moved to Memphis at the end of, of August, sort of August timeframe, and the folks in New York said, you know, we were told in Memphis very small office of BCW of Memphis, which uh, has since closed closed up shop here just the pandemic uh, over the summer. But we were we have very small office about eight people, and so the New York offices we were they were prepared to move in and said. Look, he says he's going to come in three days a week. We're going to tell you he's going to come in every day. <laughs> um, and he's going to be there. Like he says he's going to work nine to three. He's going to be there at eight thirty probably to five. Like it's My just, self. that's, that's what he's going to do. And so we were sort of prepared. I mean, you know, in a smaller office, it's very noticeable when people yeah. are not there come in and out sort of thing. If you, if you have 30, 40, 50 people or even more, it's less noticeable. Right. So really small office. Uh, Mr. Burson's office was two doors down from mine. And he had this wheeled walker with a seat. But it wasn't like the silver kind of base model with the tennis balls in the bottom. It had some really nice wheels. It was kind of red and it looked souped up. Right. And he it would he would push it around and he would come in and he'd go to his office. And before he got there, we turned one of our conference rooms into this really nice executive office for him. And then before the, the furniture was in the process of arriving and getting it all squared away, and we got his stuff sent from, from New York and we set it up in his office. Right. And so in the process, we put him in a smaller office like everyone else had. And he never left that smaller office. He liked it a lot better than the big office. He was like that mm. office. I don't need that big office. That's I'm not comfortable in there. He liked the smaller office where he could reach his files. And he could see his computer and he would read. He would come in every morning. He'd read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. He would do his correspondence and his emails. He would talk to you about the business. He was very, very active in talking about your business um, and your client's business, even if it had nothing to do with you. Um, He also sort of reached a point, I guess you sort of are owed this at 99. He would just talk about what he wanted to talk about when you would talk to him. And if he wanted to talk about his time in the army and reporting or during the Nuremberg trials, that's what he talked about. And he talked about it like it happened last year. It was amazing to me. Like I struggled to remember, you know, somebody I had a conversation with a little while ago and he's talking about people he served in the army with and folks he got to know and in the forties it was he's fascinating man it was definitely one of the highlights of my career working with him and
0: just what a wonderful opportunity Uh, he's he used to have his uh radio and the music playing when he in the new york office and Mm -hmm. um and he was always there. People, I think young people especially, found him really inspirational and, you know, they would always go and chat to him and he loved that as well. So, yeah, there's uh, someone we missed very much. But uh, what a great opportunity to work so closely to him and with him for for that short space of time. So sounds amazing, Dor. Um Great stuff. I'd love to chat more, actually, but we're we're already 20 minutes in. So we better switch to some of the topics we've got to get through. But uh, thanks for sharing all that. And we'll get you into these topics. Um, Frank Edelman uh, released its annual results for 2020 this week. And that's always a big bellwether for the industry. And Publicis was the first of the large holding companies. So what was the story and and what's it telling us about last year?
1: So let me start with Publicis uh, with this one. There's there's some good news uh, out of there in that they saw for the full year an organic revenue decline of, I'm sorry, for Q4, excuse me, an organic revenue decline of 3.9%. And if you go back a couple months, you remember how much more severe those declines were, uh, you know, in the midway point of the year and in the third quarter across the holding companies. So uh, that's not too bad. In the US, which was the best performing uh, country, the growth was positive at 0.5%. And that's largely thanks to Epsilon and Pulis Sapien and its healthcare division, which of course is something we've heard elsewhere as well. Uh, sure. You know, you compare that to Europe, which is down 9.1%, the UK down 11%, France down 7.2%. Uh, so, there are definitely some promising signs in Publicis numbers, and they are paying back the salary reductions that six thousand of its higher earning staffers uh, took for about six months during the the real height of the coronavirus pandemic uh, so a lot of po- a lot of positives there in the Publicis' numbers now for Edelman. For all of 2020, they are down 5.7 percent to uh, about 840 million dollars in revenue. Um, now, if you uh, talked to the global CEO, Richard Edelman, at about the midpoint of the year this summer, I mean, he would have said they were down about 10 percent at that time. And he is—he's uh, telling us he is very bullish on where the how the agency performed in the last few months of the year, where they're at heading into uh, February 2021. But there's something really interesting he said, too, in that the family ownership of the firm uh, is down from 88% to 80%, uh, and with a lot of those shares being sold to uh, senior members of the firm. So um, that's also really interesting, uh, because as he will always tell you, it's a family owned business.
0: It is interesting because a few years back, they uh, sort of embarked on buying back a lot of the shares and getting them more into family ownership. So that's that's interesting that he's rewarding some uh, very, very loyal um, compatriots uh, at the company there. But uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say he was probably, I remember speaking to him last year and he he was sort of predicting seven or 8% down. So they've done better than that, Um, but it's a good bellwether for the industry because it's the biggest agency in the world, obviously. And, um, interesting to see that. And then we'll, we'll get, I think it's Omnicom next week, is it? And then, uh, usually IPG follows shortly after and then WPP a little later. So we'll, we'll really get a, f- a feel for how the pandemic year impacted people. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, publicist doesn't break out PR numbers. So it's difficult to tell exactly how MSL and the PR function there did it because, um, I don't think they were they they were chatting about the numbers specifically. But interesting to see what uh, Arthur al-Sudun the CEO over there, did, and, and a great interview with him by Gideon Spanier, our colleague on campaign that you can see on PRweek.com um, and giving back all those uh, salaries. So, uh, yeah, the first uh, indications really from the big com- agency firms about what last year uh, was like um dawn you, you mentioned the agencies you used and uh, Zeno is obviously a subsidiary of edelman and they actually report separately so um we don't have um, their numbers but those sort of more mid-sized firms like emboos and like allison and partners they seem to have done pretty well actually last year and, and maybe not as challenged as the big holding company firms like bcw where you came from
2: yeah, I you know our uh, I think that it gets rough out there for agencies today. I, I get it. It is it is a rough go. I mean, on the corporate side of things, we're we're having to make some very hard sacrifices, and all of our agencies prior to my arrival were asked. They were like, "Look, we've got to we've got to take a step back here. This is something." Um, you know, we're, we're working through from a COVID perspective, just like you guys are. And our agencies, partners are, sure, we get it. We understand. What can we do? And frankly, they've been really, really good partners. It's tough out there. I will say, man, Publis is paying back their COVID sacrifice pay or whatever they called it. What a great morale booster for them. If, if um that's a nice sort of, Look, we're 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 being very transparent with you. We didn't perform as work bad as we thought we were gonna, and we'd like to reward you for that. Um, I always tell my team I have a very, very high performing team, and you know, they're working across They're Some of them come into the office sometimes, some don't. I've met everyone in person on my team except for one person. She lives in Pennsylvania. Um, she's actually out of maternity leave right now, but she's the only person I haven't met. And You know, I I tell them, I feel like you're probably working more now than you ever have before, even though you're at home. You're working different hours. You're not commuting into, you know, Atlanta when you're driving 30, 45 minutes, sometimes even more than that. on a normal day, you're likely taking your 10 steps into your office and you're working. So you're using that commute time to work. Um, So do what you need to do. I I, it doesn't really matter when you get your work done. A a good leader and a good boss is going to know when work's being done or not. And I don't really care when they get it done, as long as it's yeah, done. No, and sure. I, I think that's just a nice, any sort of morale thing you can throw at them, and that's a really nice message for people to be able
0: to. Yeah, and I think uh, Frank did Nedelman do do similar um, some of its stuff. Yeah, that's
1: uh, that's correct, and they are also giving bonuses <laughs> to um, uh, some of the the. Staffers in the early parts of their career, whether that's assistant account executives up to account managers, those folks are getting bonuses as well.
0: That's good to hear because it was a tough year. And um, yeah, Edelman, you know, didn't want to make layoffs last year. And they hadn't in previous recessions, but this one was just tougher and much harder and unforeseen. So they did have to make layoffs, despite Richard Edelman saying they wouldn't. So it's good to see that they're rewarding some of the more junior people. On the subject of in-house teams, General Mills, Frank, is an interesting company with Hanno Cabrera there. He's reorganized his comms function and and he did an agency reorg a a few weeks ago as well. Talk us through that.
1: So this is the second... Uh, big corporate, uh, reorg that we've seen recently following FedEx. Um, and so what he is doing, he's restructuring corp comms, uh, into three teams. Uh, and the reason for that is because of the bigger emphasis on internal communications but also driving a stronger and more steady cadence of external st- storytelling about the company. So the new groups that he has come up with are an internal and employee experience team, a corporate and brand storytelling team, and an operations team, and they all uh, report into him. Now, previously, that was one, ter- one team handling all of internal uh, communications. So uh, some interesting... Moves there uh, by Hanna Cabrera at General Mills up in uh, Minneapolis. Um, like you mentioned, they also reworked the agency relationships last year, bringing on Golan and Select, um, you know, to replace Ketchum, that was the incumbent agency. Golan is focused on the external part of it. Select is focused on the internal storytelling. Uh, you know, the moves make sense because as you talk to folks out there, you you hear just so much about. The importance of internal and employee communications over the past year. Uh, And so, yeah, it makes it makes sense that they are doing something like this.
0: Yeah, we'd hear that from a lot of CCOs. Uh, Dawn, very quickly, how easy is it doing internal comms with a a largely franchised uh, employee base?
2: Uh, you know, uh, coming from Hilton as, uh, in hospitality background, you have to figure out the nuances. And I think Hilton always did a really good job of that. And I've been able to take that and apply it here. Uh, you know, there's some legal aspects around it, obviously, that you, as the, uh, as the franchisor, as the brand franchisor, right, you have to say to your franchise employees or your franchisee base, this is what we're doing on a corporate perspective. So an example of, something to do with COVID here's what we're doing on a corporate perspective for our corporate employees. Don't take this as, you know, our advice. This is what we're doing. So to serve as your example, nine times out of 10, they absolutely take that and say, thank you so much. We, we appreciate your guidance. Um, uh, I, I'm one to uh, my legal team, probably hate me for saying this, but I'm always one that uh, consumers, and a general public don't really see that it's a franchise location, right? They fly your flag, they hang your sign. Uh, franchisees fly your flag and hang your sign for a reason, and it's to be part of a larger uh brand name. And so when Susan from down the street goes into, and she has a bad experience somewhere, or a good experience, she doesn't know that her neighbor owns that schlotsky's, right? She just knows that Schlotzky's. So our job is to be really good partners to our franchisees, and we provide lots of resources for them. So then as we communicate, some of our franchisees, we communicate out to their employees like they are ours. So just things like, you know, what marketing initiatives are happening this week or what the latest limited time offers are in stores. Others, we work a little bit more closely with the franchise organization, and then they disseminate that information. It really is about finding the right formula that works for the franchisees and having really good partnerships with the franchisees at the end of the day. That's what we find.
0: Got it. All right, Frank. Let's get into Super Bowl. At least I got it right that Mahomes won it last year. He just didn't win it against um, Tom Brady. But um, that's I got half of it right. Um, so talk us through the various angles for this. Uh, it's, it's an unusual Super Bowl because of the pandemic and because the disrupted season. But also brands not all weighing in in the same way that they have before. Although I think it's still sold out TV ad wise. But what are we seeing a PR week across across the piece?
1: It has, it has, and there's a new mix of brands, uh, that will be broadcasting ads during the game this year. Uh, one that we have our eye on specifically is Robinhood, which, uh, has been the center of a lot of attention, both, um, you know, in the financial markets and on Reddit, and, and we'll talk about that a bit more in detail later. Uh, but they're running an ad during the game. Now, uh, of course, people have already seen the ad, but it, nothing compares to the sort of reaction that they get actually during the game so we'll be looking to uh, to see what that's like so uh speaking of where they'll be getting the reaction which is generally twitter um they are handing over the at twitter marketing account to comedian and performer jeff wright uh who will do hot takes and uh, other sorts of commentary about the ads throughout the game and then the next day twitter hands out uh, a bunch of brand bowl awards like best of tweets uh you know the mvp award that drives the biggest conversation sounds a bold a strategy
0: one. handing over your twitter feed to someone especially a comedian but <laughs> i don't know it
1: could it could go awry for sure <laughs> um but there are some other awards in there like the no tv touchdown which goes to the best marketing that doesn't include a, a paid media ad during the game. Oh, yeah, that would um, be interesting. Yeah, so we um, we also are taking a look at how brands are trying to get in touch with uh, Gen Zers, who are half as likely to watch live sports regularly uh, as other generations are. And We have a couple really interesting examples here. Frank's Red Hot Sauce, uh, No Relation, uh, is doing a really <laughs> a fun campaign where they <laughs> Uh, they'll donate a hundred thousand dollars to a good cause if they get a hundred thousand uh mentions. Um De a little less daring because they're they will um they'll award fans free pizza if the score reaches the first three digits of pi, which are three point one four. Uh so if the score was three to fourteen or fourteen to three, uh they would do that. But I, I don't think there's much of a chance of that happening. Tums has a bingo sweepstakes launching on Twitter with um, uh, looking for when people tweet about what they're calling Tums-worthy moments, if you know what I mean, uh, <laughs> from brands. So, um, we'll we're also be getting numbers, uh,
0: Frank's red hot takes on Twitter on Sunday night. That's what the audience it might, really it wants
1: we to just, It just might be. It'll be a repeat performance, I hope, of so um, the past on- year's.
0: Look out for those on at Washcook and uh, PR Week at PR Week US. So, for sure.
1: Yeah. So,
0: can uh,
2: we, can we talk about engaging Gen Z in Super Bowl and just sports in general for a second? I, I, yeah, when I was when I've been reading about this, it really is, or just sort of keeping up with the Super Bowl news of the week, right? It, it, it really is interesting because a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys saw, you probably even talked about it, the Nickelodeon game that they did, the Nickelodeon broadcast with the Saints. On the same thing. So I have a ten-year-old, almost eleven, son and a fifteen-year-old son. And my ten-year-old and I watched the Nickelodeon version of the game, and I personally found it much more enjoyable. As much as I (laughs) like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I found it much more enjoyable to watch. I actually do like Joe Buck. A lot of people don't like Joe Buck, but I am. was gonna say that, yeah. A lot of people (laughs) do not. He's very polarizing. Anyway, but I enjoyed the Nickelodeon one and I thought, man, this is, you know, my husband said, he's, he's just sort of poking at it a little bit and asking me, like, what are they getting out of this here? And I said, they are opening up football to an entirely different, um, and not that he didn't know this, right? But, but I mean, that the commentators they had, they, they had some very young people. The the graphics were great. The slide, you know, the coach of the Saints got slimed at the end because he said he would do it. It was, it was a really interesting way of engaging uh, Gen Z. And, you know, it made me think about baseball. I know we're talking about football, but I love baseball and Major League Baseball's really lost touch over the last little bit with that. And they're really trying to bring that back as well. So, Oh, no, I think Major League Baseball can learn a lot from uh, the NFL. That's yeah,
0: a good, a good point, yeah. John. I mean, do you would you let your sons play football? Um, uh,
2: absolutely, just, I do. I do let my sons okay. play football. Um, yeah. My 15-year-old just went into high school, and he is a multi-sport athlete, and he has played football up until this point and decided when he go into high school that playing three sports was too many. Um, yeah. Baseball is his love and his first one, and he also plays basketball. So he does not play football. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, my youngest son plays football. I'm uh, and I, let me be clear. I I like football. I like basketball and baseball better, but I do like football. It's it's interesting. It's it's it's, it's kind of woven into the fabric of America. Right. I yeah. think as a parent, my child uh, plays. So he's been playing tackle football. It's his third year. I think it's probably the safest it's ever been to play we've been blessed with coaches and the school that we attend and the leagues that we're in. We've been blessed with them teaching them the right way to hit. And, you know, it's it's funny, you can tell, you can play teams or you can watch now and you can even watch college in NFL and and see how people are leading with their head. And it's very different than what people were taught to tackle a few years ago. So, and even now, so is it still a little scary as a parent? Absolutely it is. But frankly, so is hockey and lacrosse and basketball. I've seen a lot of injuries in
0: basketball, uh, too. So, yeah, absolutely. uh, It's a a good point. But engaging young people is interesting because they don't necessarily watch uh, cable TV.
1: They
0: they watch content on streaming or they don't watch it at all, as you said. So, yeah, from from the comms and marketing point of view, it's definitely um, they're going to need different strategies to engage that audience for sure. And uh, Budweiser, Frank, we kind of. Put them down as the winner before the game, almost even because they're not they're not participating in the the ads, but they're doing stuff around it around essential workers, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's um a lot of people have have declared them the sort of early winner of Super Bowl marketing. Now, I think we need to be clear here in that there there is no brand ad for Budweiser proper, which you know they usually do, and sometimes it's the the Clydesdales and, and things of that nature. Yeah, sure. Uh, but there, there are Bud Light ads and there are ads for, uh, their products in emerging categories, you know, like the Seltzer and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but what they're doing is they, they've created a 90 second film called Bigger Picture, uh, that Rashida Jones narrates and it's about COVID-19 vaccine awareness and education and it's been sharing the, it, it's sort of like a long PSA. And it's been sharing that online and, and doing doing digital media buys and social media around it. And and I I look, I think it's terrific. I mean, I think that the private sector obviously has a part to play in getting people comfortable with uh with taking the vaccine. Uh Lisa Rosenberg, who is over at Allison and Partners, uh said it had three point five billion impressions in the first 48 hours uh that it was announced. Um so it it's been a really well received. Yeah. Uh, campaign at the start, and That's so has true. this Jason Alexander sweater campaign from Tide. A lot of fun with that one, too.
0: Yeah, because people are watching these ads way before the game, aren't they? And actually, so I know someone, uh, I saw someone on Twitter saying they're actually deliberately waiting to the game because they want to watch the ads live. It's almost without any preconceptions but the, it's it's not just the game night so yeah interesting stuff it's going to be a great game and uh Frank will be tweeting um PR Week Diana normally tweets I'll have a dabble uh with a bit of ignorance about the sport but we'll we'll chat about the branding and the ads and it's going to be a big night that, just quickly on Robin Hood Frank as we are running a bit long um they are beefing up their comms team probably not a surprise really given what's been going on no <laughs>
1: oh. it's it's not and I mean they they clearly you know, need some help responding to this deluge of media attention that they're getting, because it is still sort of a startup. Uh, so um, they are looking to add corporate communications managers to the team, team, uh, somebody that would handle crisis comps, which they've been embroiled in, you know, help with other day-to-day needs. But it's interesting, too, uh, they have also been looking to uh, beef up uh, in government relations too. Uh, so, you know, lobbying, things like that, which obviously is on their minds as well.
0: Well, it's interesting to see their CEO, Vladimir Tenev did a a clubhouse chat with, um, Elon Musk on Monday, which was incredibly well attended. And clubhouse is an interesting Mm. channel as well, which we'll chat about some on another show, but that was an interesting uh, thing for him to do for sure. Um, quick roundup of people moves, Frank.
1: Yes, uh, Eric Hollister Williams is moving from precision strategies uh, over to Patagonia in a communications role that's focused on brand equity uh, and justice. And here's a really interesting one, Pearl Gable, who is known to uh, a lot of a lot of our readers as one of the people behind the uh, at New Jersey Gov. Uh, Twitter account and and one of our power lists last year. Yeah, Yeah. She's joining agency Kivit as director of brand strategy and digital integration, staying in Asbury Park, New Jersey, though. Um, And Bria Bryant is the new head of communications over at Havas Creative North America, reporting up to the CEO of the firm. Uh, The role's been empty there since 2019.
0: Okay, and White Castle, a favourite place for people when maybe they've had a drink or they want to have a bit of a late night uh, feed after at the diner. A bit of a a legendary, iconic retailer. Um, Richard Dreyfus has been raising money there for for workers at White Castle, or is it for essential workers generally?
1: Well, so evidently the place is a a favourite of Richard Dreyfus as well, which I, I. perhaps would not have guessed but uh anyway uh so he is uh narrating a sort of take on was the night before uh a christmas uh in a campaign that they launched recently for the holiday season uh and it raised twenty five thousand dollars for restaurant workers uh it featured a lot on facebook instagram and youtube i mean who doesn't love richard dreyfuss reading christmas carols but this one is called the night before cravemas you know
0: i see what they do. in line though. with
1: uh, the brand yeah mm. no it's, uh, it's
0: where you go for a big a proper feed isn't it uh classic diner sort of food and uh, yeah it's, uh, it's it's an iconic brand isn't it dawn i think especially in the south
2: yeah i was gonna say i mean i feel like they picked the Perfect brand intersection with Santa. Santa doing everything we all wanted to do, right? We just get out and go party all night since we've been at home for eleven months. <laughs> and then it's like the per, you know, White Castle has that sort of like, let's get out and when you're kind of had had a few drinks, that's what you want to eat. Santa was same same sort of thing. So we were sort of living vicariously through Santa Claus, <laughs> which I love. And then I I want to say always suggest that kids leave out Annie's and pretzels or Cinnabon or McAllister sweet tea that's you know like he's
0: probably tired of cookies and milk so <laughs> all right so uh, just to finish let's talk about dashboard daily it's our communications technology product we've launched dashboard a year ago we're taking the newsletter daily so we're going to be bringing you even more content on that front it's launching on monday february 22nd the dashboard 25 the power list of movers and shakers class of 21 will be announced to coincide with the launch and we're very excited about it aren't we frank
1: we are very excited about it. It's a terrific, uh, it's going to be a terrific product. And it's a subject matter that a lot of people want to know more about. They want to know more about communications technology, um, you know, in and of itself, and not just as a part of marketing technology. So, you know, we'll be covering that in terms of, of news and product launches and product updates and, you know, hires and, and people moving around. Uh, but also getting at the bigger picture and the issues that chief communications officers and other communications executives are are wondering about when it comes to the tech stack and when it comes to communications tech.
0: Yeah, we want to hear your pitches. We want to hear from vendors, uh, tech companies playing in that field. We want to hear from agencies with specialist units, comps tech. We want to hear from client side folks with specialist teams or just on what you are how you're using the tech stack and how you're strategizing around it dashboard at prweek.com is the place to pitch your stories and your input on that we really we want we want your stories we want you to reach out to us not often you hear journalists say that so so go for it all right. Thank you, Dawn. Been a great pleasure chatting to you. And, um, you've made me hungry now. I'm going to go off and get a, get a donut or something. Um, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> you should put some Frank's hot, Frank's, uh, hot sauce on it. Apparently that's what yes. I'm going to go get. I feel the need to have some kind of hot wings with Frank's hot sauce
0: on it right now. And of course you've got the full range. You can have a nice healthy smoothie if you prefer. With that's Frank right. Amber. So you're covering all bases, but, uh, great to chat to you. And, um, regards to memphis and uh, hope everyone's doing okay down there um just to finish we've got our global awards final final deadline is the 11th of february so make sure you get your entries in for that the brand film awards the first deadline for those en- uh, submissions is the 18th of february really want to see your great films branded content so do make sure you've got your best work in for that agency business report submissions are being taken if you haven't got your agency uh, registered and have got haven't got the form yet you need to reach out to i think it, frank is it abr at prweek.com um, that's it yeah, yeah okay and uh, the pr week awards live well live virtual event will be on the 18th of march so look out for that make sure you have your ticket for it but that's all we got time for this week we'll see you next time on the pr week
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.